I am Pastor Andrew, and I have the pleasure of introducing our speaker for this morning. <clears throat> His name is Pastor Gary Vanderpaul. He is the lead pastor of a church that we partner with a lot called Church Without Walls. He's also a friend of mine, and we're in the same partner support group. I have often been encouraged and inspired and very much challenged by this brother. Um, okay, so we are now near the end of a series called What is COVID-19 Revealing? And we started off the series talking about what is COVID-19 revealing about God? He holds the future in his hands. Uh, he delivers. He provides. And, and then we started to talk about what COVID-19 is revealing about ourselves, about sin, about how we try to earn God's approval. And now we're in the last part about COVID-19 and is... It's about what COVID-19 is revealing about our world, about injustice. Today, we're talking about um, environmental justice. Now, one thing that COVID-19 has be, been revealing to us about our world is that we haven't been taking very good care of it. So, for example, like during this season, oh my goodness, in Be Beijing and in LA, you can actually see clear skies like behind me, right? Um, or at least for a while in Beijing, just at least for a while, not anymore, but you know, uh, dolphins are swimming in Venice, you know, and our carbon footprint is down. Now, now as the smog is dissipating, you imagine the world finally able to take in um, fresh air, like, <gasps> you know. Um, now, I know this is not something we talk about often on Sunday mornings, but Pastor Gary will present the biblical case for environmental justice and why everyone should care about it. So here it is. Good morning, CLC. Thank you so much for including me in your worship service this morning. And uh, I want to begin just by confessing that I'm experiencing a little stage fright, actually. This is the first time I've ever preached on video in my life. And so thank you for your forbearance for any awkwardness which may ensue. Um, I haven't experienced stage fright for a long time, even though I was really sort of shy when I was younger. Um, but I think there was something about that passage in Matthew 18 that says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And so I've always sort of experienced that sense of even when I'm preaching and up front of people, that somehow God is with us. And I find that really comforting. And it really feels like family. But uh, this doesn't feel like family. I'm just sitting in my room on a Thursday morning talking to a camera. And so I, I never would have thought that... Um, where two or three are gathered in my name would mean this kind of recording and trusting that God is here with me in my room this morning and that God is with you in your room, wherever you are, two or three days later. I, I, you know, I never thought that the expression of Christian love would mean socially distancing from people. I never thought that more screen time would be the way that we would be faithful to the community. It's just, it blows my mind. Um, 
But I actually think that it's prophetic that we are really doing it, that we are living out that passage. Um, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. We have responded to this crisis that we're living in, and we're prophetic in that sense. We're living out the gospel of what it means to be the church in this time. And um, I want to think a little more this morning about what it means to be prophetic. Uh, my, my definition I want to just kind of use this morning, to be prophetic is to see the signs of the times and to respond righteously. So being prophetic is seeing the signs and responding righteously. Seeing the signs and responding righteously. And really, that's what the Old Testament prophets did, that they they were very conservative in a sense, that they uh, were just reflecting on the Torah, and they saw the signs of their times, and then they went back to the Torah and said, thus saith the Lord. And really, just saying, this is what the Torah would say to us now in this new time and place. So in a situation of idolatry and injustice, um, they, they said no, and they said yes to covenant faithfulness, and yes to true worship, and yes to justice through jubilee that they were prophetically responding to the, the times um, by responding righteously uh, re with the guidance of the scriptures. Um, so what I'd like to consider this morning is uh, even as we have taken some prophetic steps now to continue being the church in these new and kind of weird ways, um, what could be our prophetic next step? Um, we've been at this a few months now, and I think it might be time to begin asking, at least I am, for my church and for myself, like, what would the prophetic next step be? How do we read the signs of the times and respond righteously? How do we build on our successes? Um, it's been tough. Like, a lot of us are taking care of kids. Some of us have maybe lost jobs. Some of us are working more than ever, and we're working in unfamiliar context. How do we build on what we've learned in, how do we prophetically build on what we've learned in this season? How do we be like, uh, like for, for example, like Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, Taiwan? How, like those nations, I'm very impressed with them reading about how they responded to this crisis. Um, they were really ready. They've done all the testing. They know how to do shelter in place. Like if there's any place in the world that would be safe right now, I think it would be Taiwan. Uh, and why is that? Because I think they were ready, like those nations were ready because, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they experienced SARS and they realized we have to be ready. We have to read the times and we have to be, be ready. And so when it came to COVID, like, you know, the United States has no idea what it's doing, but Korea, uh, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, they were sort of ready. So I guess how do we be ready uh, for the next sort of prophetic challenge that is before us. And I think we're actually faced with a challenge that's like 10 times worse than, um, than COVID-19 is. I don't think that's an exaggeration to say that the threat we're facing is 10 times worse because we're talking, this threat, we're talking about sober conservative science by 2050 if we don't change, we're going to face a crisis that is like 10 times worse than what we're seeing now uh, with COVID. And of course, this threat is climate change. It's the climate crisis that we're facing now. And so to live prophetically, I think as we respond to this climate crisis, that's the slow moving crisis 
that feels further away, um, how do we respond to that? And first of all, we have to see the signs. So like for me, when COVID-19 first hit, like in mid-March, I admit that to my embarrassment, I was sort of a bit skeptical. Um, we were talking in early March, like, should we go all online? There hadn't been any lockdown yet. And uh, I remember meeting with our elders and we were like, nah, we shouldn't go on lockdown yet. We don't want to overreact. It's really important to meet face to face. It's what Matthew 18 says. And I remember during that meeting, I got a call from Dr. Brittany Chen. Um, she is uh, a leader in our church. She has a doctorate in public health. And I remember her telling me on the phone, like, this is a crisis. You have to pay attention. We should go online. We should go you know, online. We should go virtual right away. And she just kind of prophetically told it to me. And I'm so glad I listened to her that morning. I'm so glad we, um, you know, we went online sort of early on. And uh, I, I sort of needed her to help me see what was going on. In the same way, I, I confess I've been a bit slow to really see what was going on in the climate crisis. That even though for me, like professionally, I have, I've been a professor of justice and mission, it's sort of been my job to like prophetically read the scriptures and to lead the church into, you know, responding in justice. But it wasn't really until three or four years that I started paying any attention at all to the realities of the, the climate around us. Um, and so I actually think that this is like, we can actually take what we've learned in the COVID-19 crisis and that really that gives us a big advantage for responding well to, um, to the climate crisis, which is looming you know, in the next 30 years. Like if we don't change, it's gonna get really bad. And so what I'd like to do in the rest of this short talk this morning is to just share some, you know, some scriptural truths for why this has become so important to me and why I think it's really important for the entire church, to CLC, to CWOW, um, to the body of Christ, uh, around the world. And um, just like, you know, being prophetic is seeing the signs uh, and then responding righteously. How do we respond righteously, but to go back to the core scriptures? Um, for the prophets, it was the Torah. And we can go back to the Torah this morning too, because I think responding righteously to climate change actually begins with Genesis 1. It begins with the very first chapter in the Bible, with the creation of the world and the creation of humanity as made in the image of God. And so, um, you know, you could kind of call this passage the first great commission, really, because it's what God said to all of humanity. He said, this is what I have in mind for you as humans when I made you as part of this good creation. Um, and this is your particular role. And what did God say? How did God commission us to be authentically and fully human at the very beginning of creation? Well, first of all, we are supposed to reflect God's righteous rule. Um, God said in that passage in Genesis 1 that I'm making you in the image of God, first of all. And second of all, so what does that mean? To be in the image of God means that we are supposed to be a reflection of God's righteous rule over creation. It means that God put us in charge of this world, that God told us to take care of it, that God made us stewards over this good earth that he has made. He gave us a job to do. Um, and maybe for a lot of time, you know, until sort of now, this, uh, this image of God job that we've had to do has been more local and maybe more simple. 
a lot of uh, a lot of humans throughout time and place have been farmers, and so take care of your animals, be good to the land, like live in harmony with creation. But now I think this Genesis one mandate, this commission to to righteously rule over creation, has taken on a whole new importance because never before have humans been able to really potentially destroy creation itself and and mar and desecrate creation to the point where it has powerful effects not just on the creatures but even on human beings ourselves that power dynamic has shifted and so the job we're doing like for me as i think about being the image of god as i think about being human i want to be a steward of god's creation mostly because i love god and because I respect that God has said that he's made creation and he loves it. And so taking care of creation is really just loving God through taking care of God's own stuff that he deeply values. And so for me, because Jesus has died for me and loved me and saved me, I want to love God back by caring for creation. That Genesis 1 is deeply motivating and moving to me. And then as we move from sort of the first great commission in the Old Testament we could look at the greatest commandments in the New Testament, according to Jesus. Um, the commandments that Jesus, you know, took from the Torah that he said is now central to the gospel itself. And of course, what I'm talking about is just the command to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second, to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, let's start with the second one here, loving your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? in a time of climate crisis? Well, first of all, I think prioritizing the climate crisis um, is the single best way to love our neighbor. Because if we don't change by 2050, these sort of conservative sober scientists are telling us that we're going to have 100 million climate refugees, that we're gonna be hit by cyclones we've never seen, by drought, by food shortages, by wildfires, by new diseases. All of these things together will hit the poor the hardest. And so that if we care about justice, if we care about the poor, if we have compassion in our souls that God is giving us, that this climate change thing is a threat multiplier and it will impact the poor the worst. And so the best, most strategic, most important way to love our neighbor as ourselves, especially the poor, I think is to prioritize the climate crisis in our response. Second of all, I think it's loving our neighbor, not just the poor who live you know, in the world today, but it's even thinking about the next generation, that the next generation is our neighbor. Um, you know, and to be really honest, I think about my own kids. Um, my daughter, Camila, just turned 15 yesterday. Congratulations, Camila. And so that means in 2050, Camila will be about my age. Um, she's gonna be, my age when all of this terrible stuff happens. And so honestly, I think a lot about what kind of world am I gonna be giving her? I think a lot about what kind of world am I gonna be giving my grandkids? Should Camila have kids? You know, I'm no pressure on her. But um, what kind of world will I be giving Camila and my grandkids? So for me, I think about loving my neighbor. I think about loving the poor, about loving the next generation. And I think, you know, you don't have to care about coral reefs and polar bears to respond righteously to the climate crisis. All you have to care about is the greatest commandment to love your neighbor as yourself.
and then second of all, I think about that the first commandment in the greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And honestly, a big reason why I care and why I prioritize the climate crisis is because I am jealous for the glory and the honor of God. I am jealous for the witness of God, the witness of the gospel in the world. I'm, I'm jealous for the, I, because I know that the way the church responds to this crisis is going to be the way people see the gospel. Um, that God's reputation is at stake here. Um, that if the church ignores this crisis, if we're just complicit in the status quo, if we just keep business as usual, and if the warnings that the scientists are giving us wind up coming true, I really believe that my daughter Camila's generation and my grandkids' generation is going to rise up and look back at the church. And they're going to ask, how could you? Why did you not respond righteously? You, saw, you could have seen the signs of the times. And, you know, as a historian, I often see that what turns people off from faith so much these days, what, what stops people from loving God, is the way they see the church not responding well to slavery or colonialism or racism or the Crusades, whatever else. Um, people aren't responding to philosophical arguments about God. They're not asking whether is the gospel true. They're asking is the gospel good. And um, you can imagine now COVID-19 is all anybody's talking about. Um, and I think that we can, it's not that hard to imagine that in 2030, in 2040, as things keep getting worse around the climate, that all people are going to be talking about is the climate crisis. And when they look to the church, they're going to ask, did you love God? Did you reflect God's, did you reflect God by the way you responded to this? So part of a reason, part of the big reason that I really care about climate change and why I'm prioritizing it, honestly, is because of my witness, because I want the next generation to see that while we still had time in 2020, we learned from this COVID-19 crisis, and we, we changed our ways, we repented, we responded righteously to the climate crisis, and we turned things around. And I can imagine my kids looking back and saying, like, that's the gospel. That was, it's not the whole gospel, but that was a prophetic, righteous response um, to this crisis that was really the gospel, and they would really see that. But you know what? I don't think we even have to wait for the next generation until 2030 or 40 or 50 to bear witness to the gospel through righteously responding to the climate change. I think that really happens now. And I've been seeing this as I've been involved in the climate movement and hanging around with secular environmentalists and doing so openly as a Christian. Um, and people are very much appreciative and open to the gospel when I say, yeah, I care about creation, that's why I'm in it. And they're, they're so open, people that would be open to, they would not go to church, they would not be open to the gospel in other ways. We're talking about Berkeley environmental liberals here. Um, but when they hear the witness of someone like Catherine Hayhoe, for example, they're incredibly open. Who is Catherine Hayhoe, you may ask. If you don't know who Catherine Hayhoe is, I hope that the one thing you get out of this talk will be to check out Catherine Hayhoe online and spend some quality screen time with Catherine Hayhoe because she is a beloved sister in Christ. 
who happens to be a climate scientist from Texas. Um, her husband is a megachurch pastor in Texas, and she is a very well-known climate scientist, and she has been using um, that platform uh, to witness to the gospel and to call our whole nation, uh, not just the church, but everyone to respond righteously um, to the climate crisis. And I've just been so impressed to, you know, I've, I've probably been to like, I've heard 20 of her talks say I've, I was just at, um, at an environmental organization who had her speak. This is a totally secular organization. And, uh, and people were just so amazed and impressed with her talk. And in her talk, she was openly Christian. She brought glory to the gospel of Jesus through um, what she did. And it was just so heartening because for once to see the church being a leader, being a prophetic leader in something that's going to be important to all humans, um, but to the, the church as well. Um, so I would say that what can we learn from this COVID-19 crisis? I think it's preparing us to see the signs of the time to respond righteously to the larger crisis, which is coming. And so maybe learn from, to follow in the footsteps of someone like Catherine Hayhoe and to get on board, whether we've been on board or not, to say like, all right, I am going to begin to prioritize this. Um, and so for you, what might that look like this week? That might look like simply learning more. Um, that might look like watching a Catherine Hayhoe video. Uh, who I guarantee will be better than this video this morning. Um, and we'll include all the, the links to Catherine Hayhoe, or you could just, uh, you could even just Google her and make that a point of response to the word of God this morning um, to learn more and to make that a priority, to give some mind share to this issue that we may or may not have really made important in our life. Um, a second opportunity that I would love to offer to you brothers and sisters there at CLC is to take a deeper dive into the scriptures to see, is this really a biblical priority? Because we've only had a few minutes to talk about this this morning and you know, I don't expect you to, oh, okay, you know, but maybe you'd be willing to take a, take a deeper dive and to look not just at the great first great commission, not just the great commandments, but does the whole witness of scripture really call us to that? And um, to, to, to dig deeply into the scripture, that could be a very faithful response for you if you're not sure where you stand on this. Um, and if you would like to do that, I would love to um, support a group of you at CLC by doing that. I've actually put together um, a whole curriculum, which is similar to my, my curriculum on money, um, that kind of helps us walk through the scriptures and help to see them in a fresh way. And if there are some people at CLC that would like to lead that curriculum, I'd love to support you guys. Um, but right now, uh, I want to release you to continue in worship. And um, before we do that, I would just love to pray for you all uh, around this issue. So let's pray together. God, I thank you that through the spirit of Jesus Christ, that you are with us right now, because two or three of us are gathered, even though we're gathered across time and across space, we are gathered and so, Jesus, I know that you are with us. I know that your spirit is working in this room now. I know that your spirit will be at work on Sunday morning um, as this becomes part of the worship service. So, God, I just pray that you would make all of us a deeply prophetic church. Lord, strengthen us in the places that we feel weak and wearied. 
by this crisis. Lord, strengthen us and make us resilient to not just cope with this crisis, but to respond to it righteously and to, um, to actually take new prophetic steps of faith. God, I pray for those of us that we might feel like this feels unfamiliar. Um, Jesus, I pray that you would be the one to speak to us and help us to see the truth of where you are calling us, Jesus. So we turn our eyes to you um, in continued worship uh, this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks very much, church. I look forward to seeing you again sometime soon in the flesh and not just on a video camera. Go in peace.